This is 50,000 Watt Clear Channel XCRB Radio. This is. Adversity is going to take a bit of time to warm up, like a motor in the cold. This is way better. It's way earlier. I got the critters to bed nice and smooth, man. Did an early dinner, early dinner. Got the hell out of the park when it was time and uh, got our butts home. Let the boys play outside. Got that dinner sorted, nice and pronto. Took it out to them. They ate out on the grass. Ah, restrictions are relaxing and it's glorious. The other parents are coming down to our level of zero fuck givedness that we've been on for quite a while. Uh, But it's good. You know, it's great. People are sitting on picnic mats, just uh, going about their business, living a normal life out in the sunshine. The boys, uh, the boys, the boys ate. I did fuck is that noise hmm all good um yeah so it was it was efficient smashed out an entire dishes huge amount of dishes drank the san pellegrino chinotto prodotto d'italia it's a cutting beverage the chinotto san pellegrino chinotto uh packs it packs a tangy punch I quite like it. I can't drink it too often, but I just bought a few cans impromptu at Coles the other day and uh, I enjoyed it. I'm enjoying it. I enjoyed it. Anyway, I got the dishes done and then went out there just as um, Quiet was losing it. He's getting too tired. He's getting angry. He's dropping F words. You know, it's just when to hit it. You know, it doesn't, he doesn't say it often, but um, he was making sure he was playing in a game and I was like, nah, you're done, Qua. Because when I went out there, he was bawling his eyes out because uh, they were playing musical chairs and um, he must have missed a chair. But when I got there, he was sitting on a chair just in hysterics. And um, yeah, so that was good. And then, yeah, he was trying to play another game with him and I was like, man, your face is covered in dirt from the oval. You were out there kicking, um, kicking dirt around in each other's faces. And yeah, and then you just let out the fucking i'm playing fucking so punchy so hitty so i got him to bed i mean i got him i got him in shower bed great let's hit record on this oh i'm ready yeah yeah can you just keep recording while i click away you're not gonna go away are you yeah i think you'll stay there great i'm videoing video footage do you Got a massage yesterday. Ooh, it was so good, Damien. Thank you, man. Thank you for taking me in to your personal space. Closing the 1.5 meters to a hands-on situation. Ooh, he's good, man. He was working all the spots I needed. The lower back, the hip flexors. Ooh, the glutes, right into the glutes. And um, those stringy bits like halfway out from the center of your back towards your hips halfway up where it's really grimy and gristly and he just got his elbow in there and squashed the shit out of it amazing pain amazing pain and uh and then he worked my um adductors the boa adductors and uh that was fantastic i needed it i had a knot the adductor muscle goes from your pelvis to your knee really big it's your groin i guess 
I guess it's your groin or it's a, a big part of your groin. I think it's two muscles. Yeah, he was getting right in there working out this knot that I had that I'd felt a few days prior. And as he worked his way along, I could feel my knee. Like I, it was like he was controlling my kneecap with the way he worked the adductor. As he worked along, got closer, closer. It was like my kneecap was on tenterhooks. It was a little bit painful. It was like, oh, if he did some Kung Fu shit to my, you know, not just because he's Chinese, but if he did some martial artisms to the inside of my adductor right there, it's like he could just pop my kneecap clean off straight up like a champagne cork. It felt that elastic, um, not fragile, just like, like it was the link. He was working the link, man, the kneecap, the knee to the pelvis. Ah, the pelvis. The pelvis, the pelvis Presley and the kneecap. But that's a key spot. And when you're running, you're using all those muscles around there. I see people pounding the pavement. I try not to pound the pavement. You know, running on concrete is it's just not ideal for your joints. Find grass if you can. I actually even um, went barefoot. I'd run to an oval because I don't like to just jog and jog. I do interval running. I do some strides, you know, like some sprints, not a hundred percent sprints, but like, you know, I'll build it up from like 50 to sort of 80, 90. I don't go a hundred because all those years of footy and my lower back tightness and not enough stretching years of footy and uh, just getting pissed after the game on the Saturday night and just not stretching enough. I think it's taken a bit of a toll that um, I don't want to test at 100 for too long. I can just feel, oh, it's like, oh, I can feel all the bits pulling, pulling at me right in the butt, right in the glute, deep glute muscles and the hammies and the hips. And I have a slightly lower right side of my hip, slightly lower. So he was working on that. It's not a, it's not a problem, but, you know, something to be mindful of. So... I, yeah, I run to the oval and take, um, I take my, my runners off there and run barefoot. And I love that shit. Feels nice on my foot. And, um, I've heard that it can be a way better way for your foot and your leg to land, to have nothing supporting it at all. If you're on the right surface, such as soft grass, I enjoy it. I don't know it's working for me. So but you know, everyone's out exercising. And so I see, yeah, I just hope, I hope they're doing all right. You know, I hope they're stretching enough and taking on enough care of their joints that they're not just fucking all their joints by running. And some of them look like rigid, rigid donkeys, man, like constipated aardvarks along that footpath, the way they're running and stuff. I'm like, more power to you exercising and, you know, letting the endorphins run and, and great, you know, but I just really, I hope your body's okay kind of looking like a you know rigid erect skeleton sometimes with the potential for some real hip tension but uh more love to you and damien the man just worked it he was uh he was working my lower back at one point and i had my arms just behind me down uh you know on the massage table um yeah and i could feel uh his groin really close to my hand i could definitely have grabbed his dick not that uh not that I wanted to, but just from porn that I've watched over the you know along many years um yeah he he's um but he's a professional, and so am I, and damn it was good, damn it was good, he really oh, and then he started squeezing like really hard at the top of my neck, 
Oh, I could feel it through my brain and my frontal lobe and onto my forehead. It's like he's just pulling a coat hanger across my scalp. And what else caned? Yeah, the mid-back. Mm. Mm-hmm. The other time he did my scapulas. And that was excruciating, like right deep around the scapula. Oh, there's a lot of tension in there. It just builds up. It just builds up in the scapula. You know, just you don't even have to be especially tense. And I think you'll just develop tightness in there from the way, you, you know, from being a human, moving around, moving around the world. How's everyone feeling in the world? I'm feeling pretty good in the world. It's my birthday on Sunday. I'm thinking about getting older. And uh, occasionally that gives me deep anxiety. On the whole, it doesn't because I feel like I'm better than ever, really. But I still, that, that, that knowing of moving closer to the graveyard is uh, sobering, sometimes confronting. And really, it's just a reminder to do your damn thing, right? As much as you can. And, and don't waste time being not doing your damn thing in whatever capacity you can manage to. Don't do some bullshit. Don't put up with some bullshit and don't talk talk any bullshit. Like this. Got a damn tea, baby. This one's super peppermint with uh, some other calming, uh, non-laxative effects that will usher me into a a new age of being. Mm. What else did I want to talk about? Um, Oh, yeah. I'm going to drop in a voice recording that I made yesterday as it happened, as I was in the moment. I needed to conclude or or carry on from what I was talking about um, a couple of episodes ago in regards to some uh, altercation, confrontation, um, situation, Asian, Asian, outside with the neighbors and the kids playing. So I'm going to play it real quick right now. Okay, I got to do a quick impromptu recording on my iPhone because something uh, just happened now and um, I don't want to wait. So... The other week I was talking about uh, an issue with the neighbors and the boys playing and some stuff that I just, I was in a really good mood and I didn't want to get into it, but I'm going to get into it right now. Unfortunately, we have a kid, a neighbor who is a liar and a cheat. It's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate because he is a liar and a cheat and he never admits to his lies. Um, It all started the other week. I mean, look, he's done heaps of things. But the other week, they were playing soccer with a few other big boys and Sol had the ball and he was dribbling and he kicked the ball away and then this kid kicked him in the shin, uh, kicked him in the calf way after he'd got rid of the ball. And all the other kids saw it. I didn't see this incident, okay? I didn't see this. I see, I've seen heaps of other things as the only adult around. And I'm bitching, but I need to get this off my chest. So I need to let it out because it kills me. I don't like it one bit. And I don't want my kids being around someone who behaves like that and acts like that and and lies and cheats in in games. Sol, he came in bawling and crying. He was upset that he'd been, he was hurt physically. And I'm thinking he was upset that it had happened at all. The other kid ran in crying because he got yellow carded by everyone and he got told off by the kids more or less in the kid way. And he ran in crying, like, I didn't do anything, I didn't do anything. I know that because I spoke to the parents later. Sol came in distraught that night before bed, and he never says anything like this. He says, when he comes tomorrow to knock on the door, I'm going to close the door. 
I don't want to talk to him. And he loves playing with this kid. He loves this kid. And let me just throw in, this kid is great in so many ways. He's colourful, he's a character, he sings and dances, he's entertaining. There's so many things about him that I like. I don't hate him. But he lies and cheats and I can't get past that at the moment. And I had a long chat with his parents the day after that incident and just explained exactly what had happened. And it was hard. I'm, I, I'm not great in these confrontations. And, I, and, and, it, and it was tricky to be completely honest. And I, and I told them everything about what had happened and things I'd seen. And, and I said, look, he, he just, and this is okay, he's a kid, but he can't handle not getting his way. He can't handle not winning when he gets beaten at something. His anger is, or his disappointment, frustration is uncontrollable. And he does things that are not okay. Kicking someone in the leg, not okay. After the ball's gone, doing it on purpose. And it's not the first time. I didn't see that incident. I've seen others. And they love playing together. I don't want to ruin it, but I don't want that to go on. I told the parents everything, but I couldn't bring myself to tell them that he lies. They're not aware of it. They don't see it. They don't, you know, they believe everything he says, I guess. And it sucks. So I felt, although I felt good speaking to them, about, to them about everything, I also felt shit because I felt like I'd bitten my tongue and hadn't told the truth. Just now outside playing, we were playing goalies up. You kick the ball. Uh, it's, there's one goalie and everyone else is for themselves. The ball went over the back of the goals. He went and grabbed the ball. And just as I turned, I saw him behind and Kwa was standing there with his back to him and he threw the ball, he aimed it and threw the ball. It was a softball, but he threw it purposefully and intentionally into the back of Kwa's head and hit him in the back of Kwa's head. And I said, hey, man, come on, don't do that. And he's like, no, no, I was just throwing it back in. I was just throwing the ball back. I was like, come on, I saw you throw it. He's like, no, no, no. And this is the thing. He will never admit it. He's a cheat. Things that, you know, things that he does, he'll say is a goal. Someone else will do the exact same thing. He'll say it's not a goal. It's just horrible. It's horrible. I hate it. It's dishonest. And you want, I want my children to be honest and they are. And Tamika and I always tell them, tell Sol especially because he's older, you'll never be in trouble if you tell the truth. If you lie there's going to be a problem and there will be consequences. But as long as you tell the truth, you will never be in trouble. That is all. That is what we ask of you. And now there's an older, impressionable kid that they love playing with doing the exact opposite thing. And so I've had enough of it just now after this incident. I was playing soccer with them. And I just, uh, I, after that and after he didn't admit to doing exactly what he'd done, I just I couldn't handle it anymore. I've come inside. So that's that was the root of the issue that I wanted to speak about. I just wanted to follow through on that because I said I would get into it. No, I wasn't in the mood to the other week, but now I'm in the mood. And uh, I will, I'm not going to right now, but I will continue into um, that sparked a bit of think about confrontation and violence. Different topic, but the confrontation of speaking to the parents about it. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't bring myself to tell them that he's a liar, that he lies, that, you know, that he does, that he, he does, he does shifty things. He's shifty. I've seen it so many times. He'll do something sneaky, like 
to get at someone, whether it's physical or whether it's manipulative or a lie in a game. And he'll never get found out because he's been the older kid and he's an only child. And um, I know that only children, well, from what I've seen, only children, it just takes a bit longer for them to usually learn um, about playing with other kids of different ages if they don't have siblings because when you've got siblings, you're in it from the get-go. So, yeah, I'm just pissed off. I've just had enough. I feel like if the if I end up chatting to the parents about any kind of other incident again, I'm just going to let it out now because I've seen enough and I've had enough and I'm just going to tell them. And I love the the parents are great. Like I like this family, you know what I mean? It's not, there's nothing personal there. We hang out all the time, we chat. But yeah, these kids and, and uh, you know, hopefully he just grows out of it. But right now this kid is exhibiting traits and characteristics that are that that I detest. And, and do not want my children around. And, and Sol's smart and he sees it and he knows it. And I always talk to him about it. You know, if something happens or he's upset about it. We, I just tell him the truth. I say, look, he's a good kid. Um, he's a fun kid. Unfortunately, these are the, the negatives. These aspects of playing with this kid involve that he lies and he cheats and manipulates things. And you being younger, you know, it's been a couple of years now, but now that Sol's six, like he's way more clued in. But yeah, that was the neighborhood altercation tension uh, with the kids. And the confrontation element was me speaking to the parents about it for about an hour, just talking about the whole, you know, setup and how well they play. And they've been in lockdown in COVID playing, you know, when it's been lesser restrictions, they've been playing so well together and it's been intense for them because that's been their only outlet. But still, you have to draw a line at certain behaviours and these are the these are the behaviours. And uh, I just hope that it doesn't get to the point where I have to tell them, you know, maybe they can just see through and, and, and just witness some things sometimes and realise for themselves about the lies and the cheating. All right, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm done with him in that in those contexts. I'm done being uh, giving leeway and understanding and um, and just letting it just letting it slide. Next time it happens, I'm going to say, "Look, I'm going I'm to go and tell your parents." And uh, if it keeps happening, I will just go and tell them. Say this is what happened because they don't want they don't want me to tell him off. They said that, so I won't. I'll go straight to them. And uh, anything that happens that is dishonest, sneaky. Um, lying, manipulating people and call it out. It's time, man. Fucking had enough of this shit. Bullshit. Got to be better than that. <clears throat> um, yeah, and so, yeah, you know, the, that was sort of, that got me thinking on on confrontation and, and physicality and, and aggression and, and not necessarily violence, but definitely definitely that, that side of humanity. And um, the thing that got me thinking about it was I saw a post um, Tamika shared with me from a guy in America called Sean Whalen, who's a dad. I think he's a father of two boys um, and does all kinds of other stuff. Has written a book or something. But he had he had this list of things that you have to teach your boys. And I'm going to read through it real quick right now. Number one is never lie to them. They are smart. They know when you are full of shit and if you lie to them, they'll lie to you. Dark, scary, embarrassing, doesn't matter. Never lie. Hell yes. Number two, show them. I don't remember a lot of what my dad said, but I remember what he did. You can tell them to dream big, but if you hate what you do, they say that and they will do as you do, not do as you say. Number three, respect their mum. 
it goes without saying. Number four, let them see you cry. A man is both masculine and feminine. Men cry and powerful men acknowledge that. Let them see your hurt, fear, and care. Never shelter them from what scares you and show them your tenderness. Awesome. Number five, teach them to fight. Inside every man is rage and violence. Embrace and control that rage yourself and teach them to do the same. Many would tell you that these feelings should be eradicated. These people are liars and a danger to society. Learn to harness that primal gift and teach your men to do the same. Number six, tell them you love them. Number seven, meet them where they are. Number eight, spend time with them. Quality over quantity. Number 10, let them fail. He needs to fall down and get hurt. Needs to lose, needs to get dumped. Let him feel the sting of defeat without you ever excusing or trying to fix it. But I want to go back to number five, teach them to fight. And what he said about many people saying that these feelings should be eradicated. Um, and I, and I have the feeling that those words, the way it's put, teach them to fight. I think there's a lot of parents who would maybe recoil to that and disagree with that. Um, but it struck a chord with me uh, because that's it's quite a it's quite a personal thing for me. I mean, I, my answer to that is yes, I agree strongly with it on the premise that if you that you learn how to fight, not to fight but so that you don't have to fight and that if you somehow do have to fight you can and to have that confidence in your body for me it's rooted in i'm a i'm a peaceful sensitive non-violent dude um i always have been i you know, I get angry, I get aggressive, definitely I get competitive and I like being physical, but actual fights, it's never been my thing. I've been, I want to, I don't want that. I don't want that confrontation. I want harmony and peace. And I was brought up around people like that. And that was how I felt. However, I went to a high school that was quite rough. There was a lot of rough nuts there. There's a lot of kids who, who, um, who, who wanted to fight, who enjoyed fighting, who had fought. And um, there was a real kind of pecking order hierarchy value, a definite sense of that placed on your ability to fight and defend yourself. I also grew up playing Australian rules football, an extremely physical, demanding, lots of bash and crash, constantly physical game. I grew up playing in the Diamond Valley Football League, uh, which later became the Northern Football League, which is notoriously rough. And so between school and footy, I was around a whole lot of violence and physicality. And um, it was interesting for me because I loved the game so much and, and I, was, I was really good at it at my best. But that whole side of it, I just, I, I found it so hard to embrace the real, uh, the real physical side of it. And, um, you know, I remember things like, I remember a trainer, you know, at one of my clubs saying once, you need to get some cunt into you. And um, I did, but I didn't have any. I, I, I didn't have any, I didn't know how to get it. I remember times being intimidated. I remember times where I had to shrink because I was in these situations and spaces where I just wasn't confident in my body and in my ability to defend myself. I had absolutely no skills or awareness or training around that. And I didn't, I think I'm gonna have a chat with um, my mate Lee about this, talk about this, because he's a good, it's, he's, he's, he'll be a good insight for these kind of chats as someone who learned to fight. 
So, yeah, you know, I'm personally invested in that rule because of how much I think knowing how to fight would have just at least given me some kind of foundation in those situations of not feeling so threatened and so out of my depth, even though I'm, you know, I love that I'm sensitive. I've enjoyed so many ideas and feelings and things because I'm sensitive. I don't want to be violent. I remember I was, I was in school, I was such a big kid and uh, there was a kid who, who was regarded as super tough, um, not to be messed with. I don't know if he ever had a fight or I don't think I ever saw him fight. He almost had this rep um, that preceded everything. So it was like, oh no, you don't mess with him. You don't even want to see him fight. And I actually have a feeling that that might've turned around later into someone calling him out on it and that he actually wasn't so tough after all. <laughs> Uh, I don't know that for sure, but it was funny, man, high school stuff. Uh, but yeah, this kid one day said, you're big for nothing. He said, you're big for nothing, Will. <laughs> you know, I was in school surrounded by all these kids and I took that on. I took it on. I was like, ah, oh. like I didn't intellectually buy it, but I was like, man, you know, this is the culture that I'm around. It was like, Basically, because you these because you're that big, you should be bashing someone. You should be you need to fight someone. You're too big not to. It is your duty, you know. And I was this tall dude who was the last thing I wanted to do, and so just avoided situations where I might have to be, yeah, where I might have to defend myself, which fucking sucked. It fucking sucked, and. I guess that's part of why number five resonates with me so much because um, I want my boys, I want my boys to know how to fight. I want them to know how to defend themselves so that if some dickhead does push them into a situation, does bring them to a place where they would otherwise feel intimidated, maybe, or they, they might anyway, there's always going to be nerves and fear about around those situations. But I just want them to, I just want them to have just even some basic foundations for self-defense and fighting not so that they can hurt anyone but so they don't get hurt they can do their best to defend themselves and not only that but it's great for men and boys to have that physicality and have you know teenage boys need to expel that energy in some way they need to use their bodies they need like he said inside every man is rage and violence to, to different extents, obviously, embrace and control that rage. Harness it, use it for something like a martial art, which is disciplined, respectful, honorable, but also a way to fight at the end of the day. <laughs> I remember when I played at the highest level of football that I ever played at in the under 18s, I was really getting into hip hop then and I was listening to the Wu-Tang Clan's Enter the 36 Chambers. Is it Enter the 36? Or anyway, Wu-Tang Clan, 1993 album, 36 Chambers. Classic hardcore rap. Um, so much violence and anger and grit in the songs from the, from the production to the rapping. It's just, you know, and it's based on a Kung Fu Shaolin um, soundscape and sample base. Everything about it is like, it's, 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 it's Kung Fu rap. And it's gritty and it's hardcore and it's like a punch and a kick to the head every beat. And so I would listen to that just with the hope of just absorbing all of that energy into my being to get that cunt into me, as that trainer would say, and that anger and, and that fire. And I also listen to Rage Against the Machine, Evil Empire, um, all that heavy guitar stuff and Zach Della Rush's angry lyrics just to get fired up. 
it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. I didn't have it. I didn't have that anger and rage that those guys had. I had a comfortable upbringing, you know, around a peaceful family with, you know, um, religious uncle and auntie and um, a dad who definitely wasn't into violence. And, um, and yeah, you know, it just wasn't in me. Beep, beep. I'm just going to jump in with an edit here and say that it was inside me somewhere, but it was just so deep down and unexpressed, untapped. I had no facility to engage with that part of me. And so it didn't come out. Beep, beep. I found that hard. I definitely found that hard as a juxtaposed to, to the extremely physical game that I was playing that I wanted to just, you know, be so ruthless at. And it got better as I got older, as I was playing footy in my late 20s. I, I was, I mean, I hadn't really, like, I didn't learn how to fight ever, but I definitely felt more confident in my body and just, like, be able to defend myself. But, you know, in those formative years and late teens, early 20s, that was when, um, yeah, that was when I could have, I feel like I really could have done with that. So I feel strongly that that is a good point. I'm going to talk to my mate Leroy about it because... I think that's a pretty good general rule. Not every boy is going to want to learn to fight and is going to fight. There's definitely a range of differences there. But yeah, I'd love to hear other people's thoughts on that. So holler at me if you got any thoughts on it. BillyHoyleMusic at gmail.com or BillyHoyle full stop underscore on Instagram. Will Connell, Will with two L's, Connell with two N's, E double L. I got an email from Erin. She sent it through. I got it through to the right address. Booyah. I'm going to read it right now. She says, Dr. Billy. Yeah, I'll take that. I have a question. I thought all we needed was love, but now I understand it's Mavis peanut butter. You damn straight. Thanks to your Instagram stories influencer platform. Uh huh. Pay me, Mavis. What I'm wondering is, does Mavis cacao super spread count as a peanut butter, like a subspecies? Or is that an offensive question? The first ingredient says just peanuts. I really respect your peanut butter advice. Yours earnestly, cacao girl. First of all, Aaron, cacao is my friend. Cacao can definitely be absorbed into the peanut butter world if it's called Mavis cacao super spread. And the first ingredient is just peanuts anyway. So it's just a variation, absolutely. Sometimes I have a cacao and I uh, probably put a little bit too much in and I'm just buzzing, I'm orbiting. I'm floating off the ground and I'm a little high. My brain feels a little loose inside my skull for the next couple of hours and I love it. Absolutely no offense in that question whatsoever. And, um, you know, all power to Mavis. Though I have to admit, I cheated on Mavis this week. I, uh, I was in Woolies and I saw another peanut butter looking at me. It was on sale. And, you know, you put anything on sale, you're going to catch my eye in uh, Woolworths. Someone make a $20 jar of peanut butter and mark it down to $13. I would buy two of them. This uh, peanut butter is called Pix Peanut Butter. P-I-C, apostrophe S. It's made in New Zealand. So first of all, it's, it's, it's already winning. Uh, I'm biased. Everything that comes out of New Zealand... Oh my God, I just got, I'm rushed, I'm rushing. Um, it's from New Zealand. So much music that I love from New Zealand. Serato DJ program software is from New Zealand. I'm biased, but it's from New Zealand. It's freaking good. Um, it was $7.50 marked down to five. 
bringing it down to the, pro- the price of Mavers. It's a higher quality peanut butter. I've got to say that. And it's high in oleic acid. I don't know exactly what that is. Or was it oleic? Um, or maybe the nuts were oleic. It was something O-L-E-I-C. But I think it gave um, extra quality proteins in it. Anyway, it's a damn good peanut butter. So I just had to confess and come clean that I cheated on Mavers twice with this peanut butter. It's fucking good. Also, Aaron tacked onto that a little question. What do you think of Gwen Guthrie's song, Peanut Butter, the Larry Levan mix? Damn, that's a tune, Aaron. That's a tune. That's a boogie beat sweet. Shout out to DJ Ms. Risk. That's the name of her show on PBS FM on Tuesdays. It is a boogie. It is a boogie party. Um, great production. The bass is slamming. The bass is that real chunky, chonky, bass just hitting all the right places. And the main line, it, it, the main line is like, spread me, spread, spread on, spread your love on me like peanut butter, something like that. You catch the drift. But that's another way I'd go. If I'm going to drown in peanut butter, I'm also going to die of the mini death in the bedroom covered in peanut butter. That would be worth it. Yeah, it's a good song, Aaron. It's good. You know, it doesn't go anywhere. But it doesn't really need to. It's just a solid groove and they just work it. And, you know, Larry Levan's that master mixologist. He just brings it up, brings it back and forth. It's like six minutes of, um, of dancing. You dance to that. That's for damn sure. Thanks, Aaron. More emails, please. Also, I got a, I got a voice message from Leisha. Let me run that now. So challenge accepted. This is crowd participation. My question is what happened to DJ Dissect and um, what would you tell him now with all your wisdom and oldness, age? (laughs) Yeah, so what advice would you give DJ Dissect knowing what you know now? DJ Dissect. Ah. <laughs> DJ Dissect. That guy. Oh, Alicia, thanks so much. That's hilarious. DJ Dissect was my DJ name way back in the day. Man. That was my first. Yeah, that was my first ever DJ name. I bore my turntables, taught myself how to mix and scratch a bit. And um, yeah, eventually it was like, I need a DJ name. Hmm, what can I do? I cut up records, I scratch and cut. Hmm, what can I misspell to be hip hop? (laughs) So dissect came into my mind. Ooh, and I can spell it D-Y-S-E-K-T instead of D-I-S-S, two S's, dissect, dissect. Yeah, I think it's two S's instead of D-I-S-S-E-C-T. So I had that going for me. And then I found uh, a vocal stab of black thought from the roots saying dissect in a song. So I cut that out and put it on my mixes and uh, I was DJ Dissect for a couple of years before I went to DJ Ill Will <laughs> uh, until I, uh, I came back around and uh, called myself Billy Hoyle, which is uh, Woody Harrelson's character from White Men Can't Jump, if you don't know. I'm sure you know. Well, you might not, but you know now. And um, that felt right. So I've been Billy Hall ever since. Although I'm thinking of just um, any, you know, production work, music I make from now on, I'm thinking of just going by my name, Will Connell, my real name. Anywho, DJ Dissect. Yeah, 
I would tell him, man, you're doing great. You're a really good DJ. You, I would say, dude, you, you just, okay, so this is the thing. Cause I look back on, I look back on DJ Dissect and uh, he just, he wasn't comfortable enough in himself to put himself out there. He had all the skills, he had tunes, but he was, he was super shy. He was still super shy, which isn't something I never am anymore. Definitely still get shy, but he had a large, larger dose of it. And yeah, I think he, you know, he was coming into the, the music world and into, you know, this new world from just having been a sport dude, a footy dude who liked music um, his whole life. And then... Yeah, I was like, man, I, I love this a lot. I do it every day. I practice and mix every day. But this is a whole foreign world. <laughs> I don't really know how to go about this. And I, don't, and I feel like I don't feel right. I didn't see myself as fitting in in whatever way, which is silly. But yeah, I just didn't have the confidence. And so, I mean, I would, I would just tell that guy, man, just keep doing your thing. Just, but just own it you know you're great you're really skillful just do your best to just go and 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 talk to people and put yourself out there because it, that's the whole thing it's it's networking it's how you get gigs i mean i would tell him that i would say you need to you just need to meet more people by whatever means necessary because you know this was this was pre-facebook and um you just needed to get out i, I had a, i had amazing mix cds that were really well done that I put all my effort into, but then I didn't have the networking side. I didn't know anyone. So I had these great mixes and I'd drop one off, you know, at venues here and there and maybe get like a little, a little, you know, Sunday afternoon fill in spot. But yeah, nothing really, nothing really took off until I started hanging with Cisco, Francisco Tavares of the Tavares family through footy. And we started hanging out doing music together. So massive shout to Cisco for, um, for being the bridge, you know, from there, he was just, sort of starting out then too oh yeah he was he'd been singing his whole life but he hasn't wasn't really gigging i don't think at that point he was about to but um yeah we kind of started getting into it at the same time which was real cool and then from there i just met heaps of people but yeah i was definitely in my own little world there for a long time without really knowing how to get out there and i knew there was some things i could go to but i just i was too shy i felt too lonely none of my friends were into it None of my footy mates really gave a fuck about, you know, doing anything like that. I just didn't know anyone as simple as that. And I wasn't bold enough to get out there. So I would just tell him, man, you just got to, you got to try and get out there if you can, but you're doing great. I would also say maybe expand your range a bit, maybe get, keep getting into more music because just gigs playing purely hip hop, not even R&B, you know, they were, they were pretty few and far between. There was some, definitely some good nights. But then, you know, Melbourne had a lot of good DJs. Yeah, so it wasn't easy. I'm sure I could have. And I did eventually once, once I happened to meet a few people just through random friends that I had through uni and uh, footy. But yeah, I would tell him, um, it's a tricky question. It's a great question. I think the main thing is if I could say, be more, be less shy, be more bold, believe in yourself, believe in yourself and realize, yeah, you're good. And you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be coy. Yeah, just go, just go for it. But you know, things take time. Things take time. You can't force things. I just didn't, I didn't have that means at that time. So I don't regret anything, definitely, um, around that time. But yeah, I would tell him, I'm definitely taking this question probably way too fucking far. <laughs> but this is, this is what I do. Um, keep doing what you're doing and, bully, and don't doubt yourself because you got skills, man. Go for it. 
Thanks for that question, Leisha. That was hilarious. Time travel. Um, the other day, Sol asked for the toilet paper roll insides, the cardboard insides. Um, I said, yeah, sure. thought he wanted to do some craft. We got a new stove lighter the other day. It turns out he just wanted to set them alight because I saw him in the kitchen with the stove lighter trying to set the toilet roll insides on light. And Sol's a sensible guy. I was like, Sol. He's like, okay, okay. Fire's fun for kids. He was lighting matches the other week. The kids were like, of course they were. It's magical. Light a whole box of matches. Remember that shit? Coolest. My advice, my parenting advice for this week is very obvious. Uh, Very simple, but also very easy to... uh, to slip up on in some way and I don't even know what slipping up is we won't really know but yeah try not to be on your phone in front of your kid too much get off your phone it can usually wait um, if you really need to do something something where you, you're ignoring your kids nah this is convoluted man this is tricky because man there's so much you're doing on your phone like you could be organizing a play date you could be you know texting a um, texting your mother who's coming to look after your kids it's tricky you phones are so ingrained aren't they in our world you kind of can't you just maybe it should be like be mindful of just scrolling the fucking gram and facebook in front of your kids mindlessly if they're trying to talk to you or something yeah you need to escape sometimes but maybe just save it for the toilet but, uh, you know, Elon Musk said we're already cyborgs because uh, our devices are an extension of our body when we hold them, and they are. So that's wonderful. I'm tired again, and, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing another loose goose one um, when I'm in the right mood. That'll do, donkey. I've been talking for ages. I've got to chop this down. I did my first dad uh, interview a little while ago over... over um, of Zoom, but there was a few issues with the audio. And so we're just going to redo it in person now that restrictions are easing ah. um, real soon. And it'll be way better, be way better, way easier. So um, that'll be cool. All right. Much love to you and yours. Peace.